I want to start today with a clip, actually, and you've probably seen it. It's Susan Boyle. Uh, just in case you haven't, uh, American Idol is a hugely popular show, or has been, where all of these unknowns come out of nowhere and audition and have a chance to become famous performers. Well, it, um, I believe it started here, but became so popular they created a British version. And I think 2009, in the British version, this woman came on stage named Susan Boyle. And her audition was quite interesting. And so I want you to watch it with me. That is extremely touching, no matter how many times I watch it. One of the things that is so powerful about that is that Susan Boyle always had that potential in her. It just never was the right time and place where it got to come out. And obviously in the reactions when she walked on the stage, I'm sure she had encountered those reactions her whole life. Of people looking at her saying, no way. What a joke. There's no chance she is a star. And they grossly underestimated the potential in her. Don't you think there are a lot of people like Susan Boyle? I think there are. Maybe not entertainers and singers, but people with amazing potential in them. Hidden potential, diamonds in the rough. Sometimes maybe not even realizing themselves all the potential inside them. My real question today is, are you one of those people? Could you be Susan Boyle? Could her story be a lot like your story? If I were to just sit one-on-one -on -one with you and to say, well, I'd like to get to know you, and so one of the questions I would say is, who are you? Where would we begin? I think most of us would start with the typical answers. My name, where I live, maybe where I was born, maybe where I work, some other details about that. But what are all of those? They're circumstances. They're circumstances on the surface. They're the things that float around the edges. But none of those really gets to that deeper question, does it? None of those really gets to the question, who am I? They asked Susan Boyle who she was, and she listed off a few details. And I'm sure you're all familiar with that village that she said she lived in. I'm told it's somewhere outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. But none of those details which Susan gave began to explain who she was. It was only as that which was in her, her potential, her gifts, her abilities, as those began to flow out, that we began to understand who she really was. 
And so when I ask you, who are you? That's really what I want to ask. What is there within you? What makes you special? What potential is in you? Maybe realized, maybe not realized. You see, we have a difficulty in wrestling with that today, and that is we live in an age of superstars. The famous. And that's where our culture is pouring all of its attention. Maybe it's superstar athletes, and they either play in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, or the NHL. And we know they make a ton of money, and we can't wait to get home at 12 noon, and Jim, you better not be late, because some of those superstars with horns are going to be playing. We hope winning. But it's not just the athletes, is it? Some of you are shaking your heads because you couldn't care anything about athletes. For some of us, it's the entertainers. With their entourages hounded by paparazzi. And for some of us, maybe there's a third category, those business entrepreneurs. And we just want to get on The Apprentice so we can have a chance at moving in the rarefied air of Donald Trump. But all of those are about our society focusing on superstars and saying, that's our idols, that's what we want to become, we want to get there. That's who we want to be. But there is a dirty secret that our society doesn't talk about as we follow the superstars. They are one in a million, maybe fewer. That's why we pay such attention to them, because there are so few of them. And the secret that nobody wants to talk about is that Boys and girls growing up have a better chance of being struck by lightning than playing in the NFL or the NBA. Though they spend all of their energy saying, that's what I'm going to do. Or the singer who is a star in high school and the whole town says, wow. And so they go to New York City or L.A. or Nashville. And they spend their life as a waiter or a waitress in a sports bar. Or we go to college making sure we get all the degrees that will get us to be Donald Trump. And the reality is we graduate with a boatload of student loans and we can't even get a job. And we too are back waitressing in the sports bar living at home. Or if we're really lucky, we'll be in a cubicle. Nobody wants to talk about all of those things in this culture focused on our superstars. But the honest question we have to ask is, what about the rest of us? The rest of us who haven't become superstars, do we give up? What do we do? Are we way too much like Susan Boyle? How many people walk around in their greatest moments were in high school? 
And I think, what an indictment that says about life. I mean, I'm 18 when I get out of high school, and if I've already experienced my greatest moments, what about the next 40, 50, 60 years? Well, that's a pretty dismal picture, isn't it? I've tried to depress you all, if I can. What do we do if we're the rest of us? Well, too many of us trade our dreams in for toys. And we just play. Trying to tell ourselves that if I have enough toys and I play enough, that's a meaningful life. Or we try and live through somebody else. And that's what funds the paparazzi so I can live vicariously through the superstar that I follow and I worship. Trying to find my meaning through somebody else's life. And we live like Susan Boyle. Some sense of I should be more. There is potential in me that I haven't tapped. I was meant for something different, but we can't find it. And I understand, and you really can sense a crowd as a sermon unfolds. I understand I'm touching a nerve. And my purpose isn't to touch a nerve. There's no value in that. Unless there is another option. That we don't have to live in this existence. We don't have to live frustrated that we're not the superstar. And we don't have to just accept it. There is a solution. God has a solution for us right now in this culture. God wants to give you that Susan Boyle experience. He really does. He knows that potential in you better than you do. And he wants to give you an audition so you can shine. I want to ask you to come for the next five weeks. And we're going to talk about that. And how God wants to do that. I'll give you an overview today, but I want you to hear the details, and I want you to walk that journey. And I'm going to ask you to go even further. We're going to have small groups so that we can hear about this, but we can also talk about it. How does this work? What's this look like? I'm excited. I'm excited. I watched that clip with Susan Boyle, and I'm not just excited for her. I'm excited because I understand God wants every one of us to have that experience. And every one of you is a Susan Boyle, maybe not with a voice to sing, but with potential, gifts, packaged by God's hand. And he has a dream for you. And I understand what can happen in lives if we start to understand that dream God has for us. And that's what we're going to do. Now, before we talk about how God does that, I want to quickly touch on a few things of what won't work. How we won't find that dream. How we won't become what God has packaged us to be. Because they're not God's answers. They're our answers. They're our human answers. And we try them again and again and again, partially because they don't work. And so we just keep trying them. 
one of the things we try to do is we try to be someone else. We try to be what others have told us. We try to be our sibling. If I was only like my sister, only like my brother. We try to be that superstar. I want to sing like Susan Boyle or, or play like Adrian Peterson. We try to be somebody else. And of course we're not, and it never works. We try to be what our others tell us to do, to be. We try to be the person our parents told us, that's what you should do, that's what you should be. Or maybe a spouse. Or friends, or siblings, or just our society that says, this is what you should be. And so we spend all our time trying to be that other person. Some of us, especially I think as Christians, some of us spend our time trying to be that person I think I should be. I somehow have this image, I should be all this. Oftentimes this is sort of a corrected version of me. I look at everything I'm not good at or everything I struggle with and I focus all my energy on all those negatives trying to fix me. And of course that's something I never achieve. There's one other option, and that is very popular in our day, and that is that I get to be whoever I want to be. And so it's sort of like going to a smorgasbord or a buffet. I just get to pick what I want. You can be anything you want to be. Our self-help gurus promises that. And so I just make the me I want to be. And I go to school, and I take seminars, and I buy things off cable TV that will help me and encourage me and motivate me. And I try and become this self-made person. The problem is, none of those work. And so we remain frustrated, we remain, remain defeated, we remain the people with that little voice that says, I should be more than this. But we have a, no clue how to get there. Well, God wants to help us. How? Well, I'm going to have to share with you the, the most difficult step. And then we're going to look at five ways he shows us. But we have to start with the most difficult one because it's crucial. Without it, we can't go further. And it's so difficult because it's counterintuitive. And in a sense, it goes against all the fibers of our body, our being. And that is, God says, if you're going to flourish, then I need to ask you to take your eyes off yourself. And move above a life that says it's all about me. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do because our culture says life is all about you. And that just reinforces that inner inherent selfishness in every human that says, yeah, life should be all about me. The problem is we will never see and become all that God wants us to be if our eyes are in, inside ourselves. He told us that. Jesus modeled it and lived it. If you look at Matthew 16, 25, he says, whoever wants to save their life, focus on self, it's all about me, is going to lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I think what Jesus is saying is I can focus on my own life. I can say it's all about me. My thoughts are about me. My energy is about me. All of that. And we've all seen people like that. And everybody tells us that's how to be fulfilled and have a meaningful life. But the people like that we know have some of the most empty lives you've ever seen. They may live in wonderful homes. They may have great titles, but their life is empty. But what Jesus says is if we will raise our eyes from me, raise our eyes higher, that there are bigger purposes in life, that God may have bigger plans for me, then we find real living. Fulfilled, meaningful living. And that's what Christ challenges us to do. To look what God has planned for us, each of us individually. Because the truth is, God made you for a reason. And that reason is different from the person right next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you. God made you, your name, for a reason. Dave already read part of this in the scripture for the morning. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, you may not own a copy of this, but there's a JHC paraphrase that goes like this. That's my initials. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us with just what we would need to do the significant task he planned in advance for us to do. I believe that is an accurate reflection of what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.10. That's why we have a sense of, I was meant for something. You are God's masterpiece. And he created you. You didn't create yourself. You were already designed with your DNA, your personality, your strengths, your passions, your mind. You didn't control that. God did. And it wasn't random. It was by design. And that design was based on what he wants to do through you. And so he made you to fit. So you can shine and excel in those things. That's why you are his masterpiece. And that's why I can say each of us is a Susan Boyle. Each of us is a masterpiece. But remember that first step. We will never find this if we're absorbed in ourselves. We'll never find this on our own. It is with God's help that he shows us, he unfolds the masterpiece he designed us to be. Would you like to flourish I realize as I say that, 
Some of you are saying, well, I don't know. I'm not real sure about flourish. I mean, we throw that around, but not that often. I doubt if you used the word flourish last week. I, I looked it up in the dictionary. To flourish comes from the Latin to flower. This flower that opens up and blooms. It's to grow vigorously, to be luxuriant. I thought of a rainforest. I thought of the Como Conservatory. Luxuriant. To achieve full development. A synonym is to thrive. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, you know what? That's God's plan for you. And that's why I brought up the word flourish. Turn over with me to Psalm 92, 12 and 13. This is what God wants. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Insert redwood. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Your Creator, your Heavenly Father, wants you to flourish. To be luxuriant, to thrive. Not just exist, not just get by. That's not His plans for you. But not just in your own success. He has bigger dreams than that for you. He wants you to find significance, to make a difference, to know that sense of worth and value and hitting your stride, being who you were intended to be. Now, how does God show us that? The real you? Well, there's five signposts we're going to be looking at. Five things that sort of say, here, walk down this path. And they're different for all of us, and that's why we each have to look at our own signposts. But these are the five things we're going to be talking about in the next five weeks. I put a diagram in the sermon notes. First of all, is it, it's, it's spirit. And what this is about, and this is the one we get the most nebulous about, but it's a concept that goes two ways. First of all, it says that I am spiritual. I, am a, I have a spirit inside me. There is a dimension to me that is on this spiritual level. It's this inner stuff. We don't go there a lot. We don't fully understand it, but it's still there. It's the core, if we could call it that, of who we are. Now here's what's really exciting. Of course, God is obviously spiritual. We're made in his image. That's why we have a spiritual dimension. And the really cool thing is he is willing to come down here as spirit, Holy Spirit, and work inside us. Speak to us. Do guidance with us. Do all kinds of things with us in that spiritual realm that we're not even real sure about, but it's real. And God says, I want to do some core work with you to help you understand who I designed you to be, to help guide you what paths to walk. And he's willing to do that inside. And we're going to talk about that next week. 
That's probably the hardest one of the five for us to get our, our arms around. The second one is it's our mind. He uses our mind. He intends us to have a wonderful mind. And he seeks to open the future for us through our thinking, our creativity, our reflection, our evaluating, a sense of beauty, a sense of purpose, planning, all of those things which our minds do. God built them. He uses them. I think sometimes we've wrestled with that as Christians and said, well, the spiritual is fine, but our mind? God designed our mind. And it is part of his plan and and working to work in and through that mind. And we're going to talk about how he does that. The third one is our time. We live our life. What we do how we use our time, all of that God is working in and through or wants to if we will let him. The fourth one is our relationships. Those people around us, the people that we are the closest to, the people we work with, the people around us in church, in that small group, but also the people that are strangers that we encounter. All of those relationships God wants to be working in and through. If we'll open our eyes and ask him, what are you doing here? Why did I encounter that person? Is there something going on here? Is this a signpost for me? Relationships. And the fifth one is experiences. Those things which happen to us, certainly some good things. Britain's Got Talent, our British Idol. But not all of them are great experiences like that. Some of them can be very mundane experiences. And God seeks to use those just as much. Those little God-ordained appointments. Somebody we encounter in the hall. You may have had one of those this morning. A chance conversation. But it may be an encounter, an experience that God wanted to use to guide your life and to use your life. God uses all of these, and that's what we want to talk about. Because as we understand what God is doing in all of these, they are intended to help guide us to understand who I am to be. And those things God has for me to do, where I can flourish. Now the reality is, and we're going to talk about this over the next five weeks, all of us have those things, like it or not. You don't vote, we have those. Our choice is whether we use them and listen to God through them, seek his direction through them, or we can ignore them, Or we can try and use them very selfishly to build myself without God. That's our choice. And so what we want to talk about in the next five weeks is how do we use these so God can be speaking and leading and showing us who he designed me to be. Are you ready to become your true self? The real me? And that's why I entitled this sermon series, Becoming Me. It's not a selfish kind of thing. 
saying, I want to become the me God designed me to be because that's when I will flourish and have that sense of being all God designed me to be. Are you willing to invest six weeks? There's a book that this sermon series is built on. You can get one of those books. It's an e-book. You can download it. I hope you'll get in one of the small groups. I think it can be a life-changing five weeks. I want to close with an illustration. Some of you are going to be real jealous about now. Legos. A whole lot of Legos. Three kids and a bunch of grandkids full of Legos. We can have those Legos. And we can sit here and we can build and have fun. And we can put some wheels on and we can maybe add some wings and, oh, there's an engine, so I'll stick an engine on it. And we can play and spend our whole life playing. And that's what a lot of people do. There is another option. These are Legos too. And they're in there. But you see, there's a plan. And if I will listen to that plan, if I'll follow that plan, and they're designed for idiots, follow number one, then number two. And if you buy the kit new, they're all individually bagged for you. But you see, if you follow the plan, you can build some of the most incredible things. And the truth is, we probably could sit there and play for days, weeks, and months, and we'd never come up with that. We might have a cool six-wheeled car with a propeller on the front and the back, but that's about the best we'd pull off. Or we could build this. God says, you are my masterpiece. I have packaged you with every piece you are going to need to be what I am building, I want to build you to be. And I will give you instructions. We choose. We can sit and play Legos. Or we can become who God designed us to be. The real me. Let's pray. Father, that you care about us that much. That each one of us, who sometimes we feel like a number and nobody notices us, but that you would, have, would see us as your masterpiece, created all the potential, all the pieces there to just flourish like we watched Susan Boyle. Father, in some ways that seems too good to be true. But your scripture says it is true. And there's Christians today saying, it's real. They've experienced it. So Father, I ask you to come here and work in our lives. Give us the, the, the faith to believe and to risk again. 
and the courage to follow. To look up from playing with our, our own little pieces and to look to you. I pray you'll use these next five weeks, you'll use these small groups that we might understand, each of us, who you have made us to be, that we might flourish in your house. I ask this in your son's name. Amen.